Now your money value might look different and that's okay, but look at what is going on in your bank account so you can see, okay, is the number one thing I'm spending money on actually in alignment with my values? Welcome to the Life Coach Baker Podcast. I'm Nicole Baker, life coach for perfectionists who want to set goals and actually follow through with them. I went to my first personal development seminar at the age of one. Yes, I was quite literally born into this industry. But by 15, I started to implement this mindset mumbo jumbo I'd heard so much about and it worked. As a recovering perfectionist myself, I've been able to set goals that are way out of my comfort zone and achieve them by doing things imperfectly, without self-judgment, and without the fear of their opinions. And now I help others to do the same. So if you are capital D done feeling like a hostage to this a-hole called perfectionism, then this show is for you. My goal is for you to leave each episode with tactical action steps that you can start to implement in your life Now, I may be in my 20s. I may have the voice of a sassier Cinderella, but I've been doing this personal development-ish since I was a toddler. So let's dive in. What is up, my sweet friends? Welcome back to another episode of the Life Coach Baker podcast. Surprise, I am actually recording this episode previously to recording the episode from last week. So, haha, sweet. Um, but the reason I did that is because, well, first of all, I was writing the show notes for last week's episode, actually, this morning. He stayed with me. And I was going through it. And I was like, okay, we did money mindset last week. Today we're doing charging as a perfectionist and charging as an entrepreneur and the whole charging your worth, yada, yada. And I was looking at these two things and I'm like, these are only such a a small chunk of this huge world, which is money. And in my, when I was asking everyone to submit a topic to the podcast in exchange for a raffle for Goal Smasher, um, overwhelmingly so, the the commonality ask for topics on the show was money, financial. Um, it was talking about money habits. It was charging your worth. It was um, so on and so forth. There was just so much money, 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 money. And just those two pillars, mindset and charging, felt so not complete. And so I was showering and I was like, okay, something doesn't feel right. Like, what should I do? And it was like a dawning realization, light bulb moment. I was like, what if I just did a whole episode kind of like etc. This is, and it, it, as I was writing it out, it turned into money habits. So obviously, when it comes to money, it is such a huge topic. And I'm going to go ahead and just cover my ass legally real quick. I am not a CFA. I am not a financial coach. I'm not a money coach. I'm not an advisor. I'm not a um, professional investor in the stock market. I'm not all these different things. So what we're going to be talking about today, rather than me telling you what to do, so please hear me on this, rather than me telling you what to do, this is what I have done and what I've read about over and over and over and over again, and what has made a really big difference in my financial life, both mindset and, you know, the funds, what has made a difference in my life and sharing it with you and seeing if it can spark some inspiration for you. 
this is not for you to suddenly go shove a bunch of money habits into your life. But if you're curious about what I'm doing personally, or and some of these things I just just started, some of them I've been doing for a really long time, some of them I've read about over and over and over again, because as I've teased in the previous two episodes, I read about money very often. It is such a huge part of our life, and especially as a coach, I hear it come up in my clients' lives all the time. So not only am I expanding my own financial knowledge, I view it as I'm helping my clients be a better whole person. Life coaching is so many different things, and money is definitely one of them. And so, yes, we're going to be talking about some things that I'm personally doing, some um, different tactics, whatever that I do personally, again, but I am not a CFA, I am not a financial advisor, I'm not a money coach, et cetera, et cetera. Please do your own research. This is very important. I did not get here by listening to someone and just being like, okay, I'm going to do all that. I did my own research. I talked to CPAs. I um, read countless money books. So please, please, please do your own research because not all of this applies to everyone by any means. So before we dive into the episode, let's talk about segments real quick. First and foremost, how have I been imperfect this week? Well, since I got COVID at like the beginning of the year, basically, I haven't been able to run at all. In fact, I don't think I've actually been able to go on a run in all of 2022, which for some people that's like big deal, whatever. But for me who runs half marathons regularly and spoiler alert is planning on running a triathlon at some point this year, that is a huge part of my life that feels like it's just missing. And, um, it's been, it's been hard and it's been sucky. And I know that when I do go back, when I'm able to like not cough all the time, um, it's actually not that bad anymore. It's a lot better, but I know that when I do go back, it's going to be like being a beginner again. And I'm not going to lie. There's a little part of me that's like, oh, come on again. I have to be a beginner again. I've run two half marathons. I'm wanting to train for a triathlon. Are you freaking kidding me? I have to be a beginner again? Now, obviously, logistically, am I really a beginner? No, I'm not really a beginner. However, I'm going to have to start training like I am one. And that requires a very different mindset. When I'm training for a half marathon and I'm 10 weeks into the training, I am running very differently than week one. Week one, I am going slow. I'm going shorter miles. It's all about endurance and building it up. Whereas at week 10, it's about the longer miles. It's about your mindset for those longer miles. Because Lord, I don't think anything has tested me harder than running 11 miles on a Saturday in the middle of the summer while the wind was like 20 miles per hour and I was just wanting to throw up. Good times. I do this for fun. But there's there's this little part of me that's just like, God, I really don't want to be a beginner. And I'm not going to lie, it's kind of caused me to put it off a little bit more. And so I'm more using this imperfect um, segment as kind of more of an accountability. Um, hopefully by the time this episode airs, it'll actually be closer to like February. I will have gone on my first round of 2022. It's probably going to suck. It's probably going to be really short. It's probably going to be slow as all freaking get out. But I wouldn't, I would be lying to you if I said a little part of me wasn't totally dreading it and a little part of me wasn't totally excited for it. I miss it so freaking much. However, what I've been replacing it with, obviously 
when I wasn't like sick and dead, um, was I've been doing a lot more yoga and, uh, I know a lot of people do yoga with Adrian. She's freaking awesome. She did like a big, um, 30 day yoga challenge. And I started about 10 days late cause of COVID, but I started doing this every single day and it was just like an easier way for me to move my body and still feel like I was getting a workout <laughs> like this morning. Actually, this morning was like a big core day. And I would be totally lying to you if I said I wasn't shaking. <laughs> like it was, <laughs> I was like, oh my God, this is so hard. Um, so it's just a fun way to completely do something different and um, do something with my body that's not like that hard cardio or like slamming your knees against the pavement. A lot more about flow and a lot more about stillness, which I've had, I found really fun. So the how I was imperfect really did turn into exploring a whole new area of fitness that I really enjoy. So you never know, friends, those setbacks actually might be redirections towards something you really like. And then of course, what is the goal to celebrate? I am for the first time since, God, like 2018, I think, not even 2017, I'm going back into voice lessons. And uh, it scares the crap out of me. I'm not going to lie. For those of you who don't know, I got a degree in musical theater. I was singing daily, daily, daily. And the experience, while it was one of my dream schools, it was one of the top schools in the nation. I'm very fortunate to have not only gotten in, but to have graduated from there. But the, the, the process was very challenging mentally and physically. And it caused me to really fall out of love with singing and to fall out of love with using my voice in that way. And I have kind of stepped very far away from it. I haven't warmed up. I haven't sung in so freaking long. And finally, I was just like, okay, you know what? Like, I want to learn to fall in love with this thing that I cherish again. And so I hit up my voice teacher of uh, fucking forever, um, who coached me when I was little. She helped me get into colleges. She's whenever I would come home from college, she would help me brush up. And she's just always been one of my biggest supporters. And so I reached out to her and I was like, hey, like, this is something I, I really want to do. And she's basically like, God, I've been waiting for this. <laughs> like, <laughs> so it was a nice little pat on my back. But, um, by the time, obviously, this episode airs, because I'm recording it so early, um, we'll not only have had our first voice lesson, but maybe a few. And I'm I'm excited. I'm scared. But it's it's a good scared. And I, I'm using this as a goal to celebrate because I'm really used to getting out of my comfort zone in my business, in my health journey, um, in uh, helping my relationship grow. But when it comes to the more personal goals, like creative goals... There's a little part of me that still has that wound from school, and I'm so excited to confront it and become more face-to-face with it. So I'm really excited to confront it and come face-to-face to it. So this is your reminder that we are never done growing. We are never done facing fears, and always there's the new level, new devil, all that good stuff. But um, I think this especially ties into the money situation because this is something that is wildly out of a lot of people's comfort zone. And I, I commend you all for not only clicking on this episode, but for those of you who have listened to all three. And if you haven't, I strongly recommend you do. Do not discount 
the first one, part one, money mindset. A lot of people were telling me like, oh, you know, like I just want to do this, uh, the strategy behind money. I just want to know the investment stuff about money. Okay, that's great. However, we have to, have to, have to, have to have two pillars in place before we start on strategy. In my coaching even, I always say how a lot of people, especially with perfectionists, they come to me asking for strategy. They want to know what to do, when to do it, and how to do it, and be happy, peaceful pants, you know? And while that's great, I am very fortunate since I grew up in this industry, I have a lot of strategy in the back of my belt. But if I were to give you strategy that would take you to the moon, but you have a mindset and a belief system that has a ceiling for you around 10 feet, you're not going to make it to the moon. You're going to hit your head and fall back right where you were. So instead, we focus on these mindset, this the mindset and belief systems, which is the whole first episode around money, in order to raise that bar to the moon. We will only jump as high as our ceiling will let us go. But a lot of us have ceilings that are really, really low, but we're expecting to jump into the ceiling. So just keep that in mind as you go through this. If you have not listened to that first episode, please do. It's so important. And by the way, don't even listen to it. Do the episode. There's a four-step exercise that is very important. I know I'm like hitting the nail on the head with this, but that shit is so important and it should not be skipped over. Now let's dive into the episode. What are some money habits that I have cultivated, that I have developed over the past few years. Also, some of these are things that I've just started doing. Some of these are things that I've dabbled into a little bit, but I've read them freaking everywhere, so I still wanted to throw them in here. And I think that this is really important for perfectionists to know because this world is so dense. It can feel so overwhelming. And when something feels so overwhelming, odds are, especially for perfectionists who like to do things perfectly on the first try, it can feel really daunting and it can feel like I have to do finances perfectly on the first try, which is impossible. Never think that you're able to do that, honestly, with anything, but especially with money. It's all about trial and error. But I wanted to break these down because odds are one of these you're either not doing or you've thought about doing or it will spark a creative idea for you to do something similar that will help you on your financial journey. Last thing I want to say before we get into these is I did not do all of these at one time. These are gradual things that have been developing over the past 28 years of my life. So please do not feel like you suddenly need to do all nine or 10 of these. And instead, just know that one of these would put you on the path towards more financial control, more financial freedom. And it can it can really help you feel like you have a grasp around money and you feel money intelligent, which honestly is a huge part of developing a money education. Okay, Nicole, shut up. It's time to get into the money habits. Let's talk about them. So this is, again, kind of a more et cetera, et cetera episode, but... I I feel like all of these are really important and have been really important for me on my journey. So number one is learning about money. You might be really annoyed that I put this as number one, but it's true. The number one reason we don't feel money conscious, we don't feel money literate, is because the world is so daunting that we don't know where to start. And when we don't dabble into the ins and outs of a world that you want to master, 
you're not going to get anywhere. So one of the most important tools that I use, one of the most important habits I have developed around money, and honestly, you could just do this one throughout the rest and be much better off than you were six months ago. Like this is number one for a reason. But when it comes to learning about money, you start to, I I always have this quote about, take someone's decades and turn them into your days. Meaning, find someone who has mastered something in like a 10-year span. It doesn't have to be 10 years, P.S. That's just a, a subjective amount of time. But take someone who has mastered something or who has known something for a while or is the expert on something and absorb their knowledge and use it in your own life. And it turns decades into days for you because they cut out all the bullshit. They cut out all the trial and error, all the throwing spaghetti at the wall. You get to just use the stuff that works. That's why, honestly, I am so big on having a coach. I think it is like one of the most important things I've ever done, not only in my business, but for my financial life, for um, my personal life even, it has been invaluable taking someone's expert knowledge and putting it into my own life. So the same thing goes with money. This can be listening to podcasts about money. Hey, oh, you're doing that right now. Good job. It can also be reading books about money. There are some really good ones. I'll list off a few of my favorites. You're a badass at making money. That is all about money mindset, stepping into a new power. It's freaking fantastic. I Will Teach You to Be Rich by Ramit Sethi. A lot more tactical. Um, he's kind of a an absolute no bullshit person. He will trample on excuses when it comes to money, but I love it. It's a very good book and it's a lot more money basics. It's a six-week course book. It's freaking fantastic. I highly recommend it. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, that tends to be one of the like most popular learning about how to get out of the rat race books there is. I It's very, very good. The one thing I do recommend is going into it with an open mind. It was a very old written book, so things are a little bit dated. There's some numbers in there that are super not here anymore. Uh, another book is The Latte Factor that tends to be more geared towards millennials, It is written in almost like a novel format, um, which personally is not my favorite, but some people love that. So if that's your jam, that's a really good book. Again, numbers are a little bit dated, so go into it with an open mind. Um, Money Master the Game by Tony Robbins is all about investments and wealth. He like interviewed some of the top billionaires, self-made billionaires, by the way, self-made billionaires in the world. And again, decades into days, he asked him, how do you do this? What do you do? And he put it in a book and it's, it's like tactics, tactics, tactics. Um, those are some really big ones. And there's obviously a thousand more. Uh, Rich as Fuck is another really good one by Amanda Francis. Anyway, but learning about money is kind of the 101. It can also be through blog posts. It can be through um, influencers who you trust who give good results and who know what they're talking about. Beam, 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 beam. My favorite one is her first 100K. It's Tori Dunlap. She's very like fuck the patriarchy and like talks about it um, in really simple, digestible ways. I really like her advice. I feel like it's very um, easy to implement, which I think is really important. Okay, those are just some of my favorites. But learning about money is number one by far. 
Number two, learning how to save. This is not sexy. Sorry, guys. But when it comes to (laughs) mastering the money game, learning how to save, and I'm going to pair this with looking at your finances often, knowing what's going on in your in your accounts and making sure that you are in the driver's seat. A lot of the times we tend to be avoiders when it comes to money. We tend to not look at it. We tend to just think, I think that's what's going on in there. I'm going to go ahead and buy this, you know, Chick-fil-A, whatever. And that's fine to an extent, but if you're wanting to master money, I really highly recommend looking at your finances often, knowing where things go, like printing off a bake statement and highlighting it for, you know, maybe it's transportation, eating out, um, bills, uh, fun things, urgent things, like stuff like that, where you're categorizing them and adding them up and seeing where that money is going for you. This will change so much of your spending habits. I I shit you not. I realized for a while I was spending so much money on eating out, drinking out, uh, Uber's home, and just like all these really high expense things. When to be honest, that lifestyle was not something I enjoyed anymore. And so I was like, okay, if this is something I'm not enjoying and it's one of my number one expenses a month, wow, it's time to change that. So it was when that happened and a bunch of other stuff was happening at the same time, but I really started to pull back on that and started to spend more into my groceries of the week. In fact, Brett and I, my fiance and I, both have agreed that for us, groceries is an investment. We are both extremely health conscious. We are very... um careful of what we put into our bodies. And that doesn't mean we don't like eat pizza and like queso often. Like, you know, we still do that, but we are very careful of the foods we buy. We tend to like to buy more organic foods, um, more uh, like veggies and produce and stuff like that, just because it is our, our health and vitality is a really important thing to us. Now your money value might look different and that's okay. But look at what is going on in your bank account so you can see, okay, is the number one thing I'm spending money on actually in alignment with my values? Another thing for us was when we were living in Chicago, we were willing to dish out a little bit more on rent because we are such homebodies. We love being home. We love staying in our little cave and um, being together and playing games and stuff like that. That's really important to us. But if you're more like travel or hanging out with friends and you don't really spend a lot of time at your apartment, maybe spending less on rent is more in alignment with your values. It's looking at your money, seeing if it's aligned with your values. And if it's not, where can you save? Where can you more splurge? Again, this is is actually more of a Tori Dunlap idea, but she has a great way of explaining it. If you want to check out our podcast, I think it's called The Financial Feminist. It's very, very good. Um, Number three, raise your baseline. I'm pulling from another money person, and that is Rachel Rogers, who is fantastic, by the way, especially if you're a business owner. She's great. Um, But Rachel Rogers has this idea that we have a baseline in our bank account. So let's say, for instance, you have gotten so used to seeing your account hit $250. And that's kind of like, oh God, ooh, my account's getting a little low. Like I should probably do something. 
she talks about raising your baseline. So maybe if it's $250, maybe you switch it to $1,000. Anytime it hits $1,000, you say, okay, I'm getting near my baseline. It's time for me to make some money. If you're a business owner, maybe it's time to launch a workshop that's paid or do an intensive or um, do more sales calls. Like there's so many different things you can do or hire a coach to help you figure out what things to do, by the way. That is definitely a part of this. But she talks about raising your baseline and I think that's been really cool. That's something that I have personally done. It didn't fully click with me, but I know a lot of people that it did click with. But I highly recommend her book, We Should All Be Millionaires. Again, her name is Rachel Rogers. She's great. New Year's resolutions are here. Now, whether that fills you with excitement or total dread, did you know that 90% of New Year's resolutions fail by February? February! And that percentage only gets higher for perfectionists. You know, because all of that, all or nothing, not being productive equals I'm lazy, high expectations crap that you're so used to. Now, if you listen to this podcast, I know you're reaching for more, more goals, more stepping into your own power, more fuck yes, I'm awesome moments in your life. And of course, less perfectionism. That's why this New Year's, I don't want you to fall prey to the resolution doom. In Goal Smasher, my goal setting course specifically made for perfectionists, hi, that's you, you'll learn exactly how to clarify those big, bad, beautiful, high expectation goals that you have. You'll learn exactly how to start pursuing them without burnout, overwhelm, or procrastination. Plus, you'll learn the personal development secret sauce that turns I don't wanna into I can and I will, creating consistent motivation for yourself. P.S. This is the biggest reason why New Year's resolutions fail, and we have an entire module devoted to it. You can literally start the first lesson of Goal Smasher today. Literally, you can start diving into it right after you listen to this episode. Get your hands on Goal Smasher by going to lifecoachbaker.com forward slash Goal Smasher or by clicking the link in the show notes. Now, back to the episode. Number four, look at where your money can work for you, aka investments, stock market, high yield savings accounts, etc., interest, so on and so forth. When it comes, this is one of those things that I wish so badly I implemented years and years and years ago. Um, in I Will Teach You to Be Rich, he talks a lot about how a lot of big banks tend to give you APYs or annual percentage yields of like 0.01 or some, it's it's honestly just like insultingly low. So instead having, um, for instance, like an emergency fund in a high yield savings account, something that's a little bit more close, like 2% or 0.5% or something, it's always changing. I'm not going to tell you where to go for that. Please do your own research on that. Honestly, go to Nerd Wallet and just go to best high yield savings accounts. Boom. You'll feel you'll see a whole list and you're good to go. But me personally, I have a um, business emergency and a personal emergency fund, both in a high yield savings accounts. That way it's making money for me. It is a certain amount of money that's making a certain percentage every single year. And it just gets to sit there and build. And it's great. I love it. It's not very much, but it's worth it for sure. Then obviously there's the stock market. This is one that intimidated the mother effing crap out of me for so long. I didn't know how it worked. I thought I was dumb. I thought that 
it was like so complicated and I had to like read the paper every morning for like Warren Buffett in order to master the the stock market. And God damn, it's just so not even true. Again, Tori Dunlap's a really good person to research more on investment accounts that might work better for you. I'll go ahead and tell you personally, I have a robo investing account and it works really well for me. I have it at a certain percentage point where it is not taking a percentage of my investments, but sometimes they do. So do, please do be aware of that and be mindful. But there are also some that are more manual that you don't have to do that with. Again, it is so personal and I don't want to tell you what to do with your money. That's just what I personally do and it works really well for me. Number five, I personally have bank accounts in a lot of different places in order to optimize. This is something I avoided for so long because I was like, I don't want it to get confusing. And to be honest, I'm glad I did because if I had done it when I was younger, I think I would have, it would have been too much for me. And I don't think I would have been as successful as it is now because I'm a lot more hands-on with my money. Again, I look at it very often. It is helpful. But having them in different places so that they're all optimizing to the best of their ability is wonderful for me, but I do not obsess over it. This is a big like, um, again, Ramit Sethi in uh, I Will Teach You Be Rich talks about how people would chase like annual percentage rates like crazy and like switch banks often. And it's just like, that is so exhausting. Do not do that. But if you're noticing like, okay, I'm at a really big bank and none of my money is working for me and I want to be doing investing and I want to maybe have a Roth IRA and I want to have you know, like a high yield savings account and all this stuff, start with researching one. Again, Nerd Wallet's great. Um, I think they do both investing and credit cards and high yield savings accounts on there. I think they do a whole bunch, but that's a that's a website I personally trust. I think it works really well. I am not sponsored by them, obviously, but um, I personally like them. But I have my accounts at different places, but now I'm able to visually see them all. So that's a really important like asterisk there is don't just have them in a bunch of different places and like toss your arms and be like, okay, we're good. I'm just going to go ahead and go back to avoiding. Honestly, in my opinion, it made it easier for me to look at them more often when they were more scattered. Um, that And that's, again, that's a personal preference. Number six. I've lost count at this point. Never think you're done. This is an annoying one, especially for perfectionists who love to check things off of a list. Instead, I, I, I guarantee you, if you start looking at this as a journey, it makes it easier to, to digest, honestly. If, excuse me, if we look at it like it's like this big, like world that we have to master in four years. Like it's just, that's impossible. So instead look at this like a lifelong journey, which it totally is. By the way, I like that better because then I don't feel like I have to put like a thousand dollars every month to an account, which for me is at the moment, not really all that feasible, but for someone else, it totally might be. But for, for me, when I look at it more as a journey, it makes it a lot easier to put smaller amounts of way in investing, in um, high-yield savings, in so on and so forth. So looking at it as those smaller investments, when you think about it more as a journey and as a lifelong pro- process, it just kind of takes the pressure off. It doesn't feel like you have to like 
throw all this crazy amount of money away. And it just, it just, it, it helped me at least. I hope it helps you as well. Number, what number are we on? I don't even know. Number whatever. Have a money goal and make it really clear. Now, this totally contradicts the last one. I'm not going to lie. While you never are done with your money journey, obviously, money is a huge part of our life. It's never going away. It is important to have money goals to work towards. So for instance, a really clear and obvious money goal might be pay off one of my credit cards, pay off the debt of one of my credit cards. There we go. That is a really clear money goal. You can break that down into weekly, monthly, daily payments in order to pay off a credit card. Another one might be um, make a certain amount of money in your emergency fund. Um, I know a really common test of what the emergency funds should be is roughly three to six months of like absolute baseline financial needs. So things like rent, groceries, bills, etc. Have like three to six months of that. Having that be a goal is a really easy, clear goal to have. You put a certain amount of money towards a emergency fund every week, month, day, whatever, and it, it grows over time. But have a money goal nonetheless, it, especially at the beginning, especially if you're just a kind of more of the start of your money journey, which is awesome. Congratulations. This is not easy stuff to dive into. Having a goal just makes it, first of all, it's a total mindset trick because if you cross off a money goal and fully complete it, your brain will naturally think, oh, I'm pretty good at this or, oh, I'm getting better at this or, oh, I've made progress with this, which by the way, we're progress junkies, us human beings. So it's a huge, huge mindset boost, but it also just makes it feel like, okay, I've done one thing. I can do another now. So having a really clear money goal. So I want you all to think, what is one thing you want to have money-wise? Is it no more debt? Is it your student loans paid off? Is it a certain amount of money in a emergency fund or a, I call them LTSS or long-term savings for spending? Basically means it's a long-term savings amount, but I'm going to spend it eventually. So a good example of this would be a wedding is a really good example. Or a vacation or moving is a really good example as well. But it's a savings account that you use to eventually spend it. Um, But I call it LTSS for short, et cetera, et cetera. But having a certain money goal is really helpful. By the way, for you entrepreneurs, making a certain amount of money in... 90 days totally counts as a money goal. If you say, okay, in the next three months, I want to make $10,000 in my business, guess what? Totally, you can do that. Then what it takes is to chunk it down into step-by-step actions and then making sure you keep that motivation going, talking about why this is important to you. By the way, this is the goal smasher format of goal setting. If this is the money habit that you're like, oh my God, crap, I really need to do this one. I highly recommend checking out Goal Smasher because this breaks all of this down into such a digestible, easy, burnout and overwhelm-free, by the way, way that 
allows you to tackle this goal financially. So highly recommend checking that out. It is in the show notes, the link to blah, blah, blah. The link to the course is in the show notes. You can also go to lifecoachbaker.com forward slash goal smasher to check out all the ins and outs of the course. But having a financial goal, it helps. And then last but not least, (laughs) I might get some like, oh God, Nicole, really? Have fun. Finances do not have to be taken so mother effing seriously. Now, if you are in a position of financial hardship, I'm not saying... Like, put on your blinders, put on the toxic positivity, whatever. I I totally empathize with you. If you are in a financial hardship, ignore this one. That's fine. But I also guarantee you that putting a lot more stress on you and your body is not giving your mind the clarity that it needs to figure out how to get out of a hole. Just saying. But if you are, for instance, not in a hole or you're in a position where you're wanting to grow your wealth a little bit more, try to have fun with this. This is an enjoyable process. Making more money or paying off debt is really enjoyable and you get to have fun with it. Ask yourself, how can I have fun with this right now? That's a really good question to take the pressure off your shoulders and to lean more into play, enjoyment, fun, go figure. But that is one of my favorite questions I ask all the time when it comes to money because I lived so many years of my life thinking money equals stress. And it was exhausting. It was awful. And it meant that I wouldn't talk about money with my partner. I wouldn't look at my funds ever, which by the way, is one of like the biggest mistakes I've ever made when it comes to money. And it was just not something that was fun or or put any goodness into my body. In fact, We've talked about this on the podcast quite a bit, but when we release a lot of stress into our body, there's a chemical called cortisol that releases as well, which literally stops your immune system, stops the generation of saliva in your mouth, making you more dehydrated. Um, It hurts your uh, not serotonin, one of the happy chemicals. I'm so sorry, I'm forgetting, but it hurts one of the happy chemicals over time, so it makes it harder to produce. It puts more stress and strain on your body, making it harder to move. There's so many things it does that is just not good for you. So honestly, if for anything else, do it for your longevity. Okay, stepping off my soapbox. But I hope that this helps open your guys' eyes to a little bit more creativity, a little bit more ways to approach money rather than like the very like one, two, three model. And I hope you also got some great resources out of this episode. I am obviously not a money coach, so this is not my super area of expertise, but it is definitely something that I have dove into immensely in the past few years because it's important. And I'm going to be so real, wrapping it up and totally making it full circle. One of the best things you can do for any kind of money mindset, any kind of money freedom is to just start learning about it. Taking any of the speakers, podcasters, or books that I've mentioned in this episode and just reading them. By the way, most of them are audiobooks and they're great. It, it really does make a difference and it makes you, it, if anything, it just tricks you psychologically into thinking that you are taking control of your finances, which by the way, you totally are. And it it's just a huge confidence booster. This is an area of life we tend to really feel stupid 
in, and I'm not going to make this a gender thing, but I am going to say women especially, we have been told that money should be something we're ashamed of. Um, it's not our job to make the money, so on and so forth. There's a lot of really tough um, internal dialogues around finances. And just addressing this head on and becoming aware of what your internal dialogue around money is, is, is truly a game changer. I can't stress that enough. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you liked it, be sure to rate and review the show. You can do it on Apple Podcasts right on down below. You can hit the five-star button if you feel like it's worth the five-star button. I sure hope so, but I'm obviously a bias source. Also, if you want to write a little love note in the comments, that is so incredibly helpful. It helps people find the show. It puts us up the charts and it makes it so that people, when they Google life coach podcast or whatever, it's one of the top things that comes up. So I am very appreciative for the people who have. And if you have not, it is so incredibly helpful. By the way, not just with this podcast, do it with all the podcasts you listen to because it is one of the best things you can do to help your podcasters out. I love you guys so much. I hope you're having an amazing day and I will talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Life Coach Baker podcast. Don't forget to check out Goal Smasher, my step-by-step technique to help you set clear goals, create an overwhelm-free plan, and learn the secret for keeping your motivation consistent and high. Check it out by going to the link in the show notes or by searching lifecoachbaker.com forward slash goal smasher. Also take a moment to rate the podcast and write a review. It is the best way to get the word out there. Plus you'll get the chance of having your review read on the show. Until next time, I'll talk to you soon. Bye.